Welcome to the Y Hockey Periodical Podcast for another episode, a jam-packed episode with many, many dumb things to talk about, but I'm going to talk to start with uh, Thomas, the dumbest thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it's like to get DM'd by Roberto Luongo? No. No, I do not. I don't think many people know what it's like to be <laughs> in any implication of or any yeah euphemism of that phrase. It's no. not a euphemism. I'm saying it's straight because it actually happened. So uh, shall we talk about what it's like to be damned by Roberto Luongo when you're watching uh, your team flounder in the Champions League at the same time, which is what happened. I wouldn't know about any of those things. You won't uh, know, and I feel you, like you I'm just palace. This is correct. Yeah, I feel like it's like that VH1 show, Surreal Life. Uh, yeah, could be like the opening to that old um, uh, what's his face, Weird Al video, UHF. It's just like what's going <laughs> on on the TV? It's crazy. Uh, okay, so I'll explain the Roberto Luongo DMs you story because it's very important. I asked him to be on the podcast. I haven't heard back from him since. What a surprise. Um, like most people scatter. <laughs> yeah. Just, just get away while you still can. Don't want to be affected by the taint of this podcast or something like that. Okay. So this will get into something we'll talk about with the Panthers later. I was not pleased with the goaltending. As you may well know, I was not pleased with the way that they've used the goaltending. And I said, okay, why are they sending down Sam Montenbeau? There's no reason to do this. And that the implication was at the time that they were just going to play Bobrovsky. And Bobrovsky has been, well, bad. So I wasn't really pleased with that. And also, knowing how the NHL is going, you don't want to overwork your goalie in the regular season. Because in my mind, I'm thinking Frederick Anderson last year, Andre Vasilevsky, they admitted they were tired in the playoffs because they got overworked in the regular season. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, they're going to play Bobrovsky all these games until the next back-to-back, which at that time was like two weeks away. I'm like, oh, great. Why are they sending down Montembeau? He doesn't need to learn anything in the AHL. He's already good enough at the AHL level. He needs to learn at the NHL level. And a lot of the problems are not his fault because the Panthers' defense, this was after the Buffalo game, is terrible. So... I go in and say, this reminds me of Roberto Luongo in 2016 because that season, I think you'll remember, we were worried about Luongo playing too much. And when we got to the playoffs, you were I was worried about him losing a limb on the ice, this to be honest is also, with you. This is also correct. Like, literally. That. But, but that season, he played 62 games in the regular season. He was great, but he played a crap ton. And everybody now, we look back on it with new eyes and we go, he probably played a little too much in that regular season. Why did he have to? So I then go like, again, this reminds me of what's going on where I was worried personally about that in the 2016 series. And you remember that game one against the Islanders. He was bad. He was great the rest of the series, but he was bad in game one. So every and game two was on the second end of a back to back because of your mark stuff. You remember that? Mm-hmm. So, yep. There's tons of reasons why the Panthers haven't been good over the years, and a lot of small reasons are like the ownership just didn't want to pay enough to make the ice a little better or well, to, uh, you know, or, you know little things like that. Islanders when a Yormark decided to schedule an unreschedulable concert at Barclays Center. That's another thing that happens. It's always a Yormark. I remember Well, I mean, that. Yormark will improve in perpetually just like just be screwing over the panthers like he's a gift that keeps on giving well this was so, this was not michael this was know. his brother brett but it was still no, no, i mean so. who was at one time also living off the the panthers teat so uh correct so all, all stories aside i was like okay this reminds me of the most recent panthers example of a goalie overplaying or worrying about overplaying was luongo 
So I don't think anything of that tweet. George Richards does what he does with those tweets, and he talks about it, and he's like, I can see where you're coming from. So then I'm watching the Champions League. Tottenham's probably already down 2-0 at this point against Olympiacos, who's a Greek team. Not, not the best thing in the world. And then I get something in my mind. Speaking menu. of long, slick, dark hair. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and Greek well, soccer and well, Luanga. The, there you go. Well, Mediterranean, you know, that, that yeah. thing happens all the way. Um, so then I get it because my DMs are open for purposes of, you know, in case I need to set up interviews and things. So I get an interview. I check my phone. It's vibrating. And it says Strombone 1. I'm going, okay, that's Roberto Luongo. Holy shit. Why is he DMing me? Yeah. Or why did someone make a parody account of yeah. him and then decide to DM me? It was me? actually Roberto Luongo. So I will read you verbatim what he said. I don't usually do this, but I'm. This is this is why they're called private. No, these are private messages. No, Let's just sum it up. Let's just sum it up. It's Roberto Luongo. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. He's done a lot of crazier things on Twitter than DM some random. shit. First of all, I don't know if it's ever been confirmed he is behind that Twitter. Oh, he, account. He, he, it has been well confirmed at this point, sir. I can keep the mystery you. alive. There are I, children. Uh, there are children who haven't heard yet. Santa isn't real. We're getting. Kids. We're getting in the season. Santa isn't real, kids. I don't care. Sam, Sam, the Hanukkah man is real. Anyway, yes, yes uh, absolutely. So here we go. I don't usually do this, but I'm legit curious. What happened in 2016 other than game one where I was terrible? So I go out and say, whatever I recover from the shock of seeing this, because I'm trying to do this while watching Tottenham Hotspur screw up in the Champions League and a player getting subbed in the 29th minute. I, I, what, the what fact I, that we are watching Tottenham at all. important to the story. Um, in that season, I was like, he played so many games. I was worried about what's going to happen in the playoffs because also again I remember the schedule being preposterously stupid for that series I mean going Roberto Luongo is awesome but he's old and I'm going okay telling an older Luongo that he oh you were just old dude no I didn't say I didn't say that he was old I'm thinking to myself well the dude's you were advanced in games played yeah well then he's like I agree with the first part of that statement no doubt 50 to 60 games as ideal nowadays for starters. And I'm thinking to myself, Sergei Bobrovsky is going to play more than that, although maybe not based on recent evidence. And I was like, that's the only recent Panthers example I could think of. And that's all I was trying to say. So that's what happens when life is uh, going your way and you get the end by Roberto Luongo. So there you go. And then uh, asked- I'll, re- I'll refrain from giving my Florida Panthers opinions. You, you brought up a lot of Florida Panthers points. I'll, I'll save it to when I really open up that can of worms we'll at, do the that end. at the uh, because um, much but that doesn't mean i agree with everything you say or disagree with anything you say um no, but I, we're gonna get to the we'll get into later. that later we have a lot of stuff to get to it is it's, it's hopefully he you know i would if roberto luongo wants to come i i, I still haven't seen any screenshots of this i don't think this ever happened oh, I it think definitely, this, this, it definitely you know, you're being fished you know uh this, this is manti teo all over again it's not man it's not manti teo and you know how i could tell you it's real because i told jeff merrick it was real well, I mean, if, if we have to get Jeff Merrick on, you know, there's a lot of people that have to get on the podcast for us I to know, become official. All- We're just always going to be toiling in this, you know, D D league uh, until we're plucked out of the, you know, the ECHL. Um, but if Chris Dreger can make it out of the ECHL. What's uh, the level below the ECHL? The SPHL, I guess. The Southern Professional yes. Hockey. And then below that is there's like the, little the fighting league. What's the league yeah. where everybody kills each other? The federal. the federal, the federal, yes, very good. Yeah. I forgot about that as league's existence. Yeah, those are those are guys who, if you see them taking warm ups, you'd be like, <laughs> "Whose dad got on the ice?" You know what I mean? But and they have their whole hands taped up 
pretty much like a boxer doing like you know shadow boxing like taped up under their gloves their gloves are cut open so they can fall off really easily they barely function as like a hockey glove you'll see like their palms are cut out and everything and like their pads are really loose fitting and everything and it's they can barely skate it's hilarious but they literally just break each other's face in i'm surprised that don cherry hasn't made a you know a i'm surprised he's not an investor uh that's also correct I, that's a good point he might be he might be like there might be little like circuits like that out in like ontario that he's like funneling instead of he's like funneling cash into it to keep money off the book so he doesn't have to pay taxes so those immigrants don't get any you know any uh, I, we're going to get to John Cherry in a second because, you know, the <laughs> snowball that's rolled down the hill in hockey the last two weeks since we last did a show. Time's up. To do with that. Uh, I, I just want to say, yes, hilarious that Roberto Luongo DMs you. So there you go. That's a, that's a great story for the podcast. It's going to be one of the funniest stories I'll ever tell in my life. Uh, but nice. Roberto Luongo was incredibly nice about it. You know, he wasn't getting angry. and he, Like, that's the kind yeah, of, of guy so. I expect Roberto yeah, Luongo to be. And when I when if when I go definitely down to Florida, Longo definitely doesn't need us to tell him what happened. Uh, uh no, he does not. He has a probably a photographic memory of stuff like that. But if when I go down to Florida to cover games, which will probably happen at some point, uh, I can t- recount this story to uh, maybe Roberto Longo himself and certainly George Richards, who this who is indirectly responsible for this. So the next time I have George Richards on the show, we're going to talk about that, and we'll spend like forty minutes talking about it probably because it's because because. Luongo follows George Richards, and because Luongo was happened to be on Twitter when that tweet was tweeted, there you are. So that is hilarious, and uh, that was one of the funniest stories that I'll ever be able to tell in my life related to hockey. It's I love it. Well, hope hope not. I hope there's oh, I many hope there's more. more in the future because we, we're still we're still young ish. You know, we're not yeah, super. Six got a ways to go, but I'm still gonna say for a long time that I'm gonna laugh at that because not many people could say they'd be DM'd by Roberto Luongo. Uh, especially somebody who has an Eric Idle avatar and is just a general schlub. But anyway, uh, other things that happen in hockey, uh, the entire concept of hockey culture has been taken down. What was that meme? The, uh, well, the same I, 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 I flurry on Nick Patan and the dominoes going down. Yeah, I mean, I, well... That was beautiful. That was a very good meme. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just preface and, and couch a lot of what I say in... I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. I'm not, I don't really have a stake in anything other than I think everybody should be treated with respect and you should be who you want to be and all of that. But I, I, I don't want to, this to turn into like a cancel culture or like a meme fest or anything that would kind of denigrate what needs to take place which is an actual educational cultural shift that is serious and like you know like it's just it just needs to be done you know we're just at the point where like this just needs to happen and it needs to be done in the right thoughtful way that leads to rehabilitation actual change and progress and treating people on all sides of this fence with humanity and understanding and compassion. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's been like that. I mean, the one meme was funny, but I think, I think people are doing it just, it's, it's gallows humor. It's like, we see all the hockey and we're going, we're at the, we're at the, 
we're at the ignition point right now, but you know, three weeks out with the way these media news cycles run, and if this can, goes like how the Me Too Times Up movement has gone, or you know, like how any thing that's been captivated by viral social activism, uh, you know, like it, it's going to just go and pick up steam and you won't be able to stop it. So you have to be thoughtful in how you roll it out. And, you know, I think so far the Bill Peters situation has been, has gone that way. Um, and, but you don't want that people just rush the course with everything, especially with now these allegations against Mark Crawford and, you know, he's saying he's not going to make a statement until the investigation, you know, the process has I mean, been finished. I think people don't understand that the legal process actually takes a long time yeah. and that you have to wait for these things to come up because there's there's firing with cause. There's there could be again, you're preparing yourself in case you're going to get sued. So there's right. so much yeah. of this that. Needs and then there's actual healing and and, uh, you know, mending that needs to happen on both sides. And then there's other things that the NHL and the league needs to come to grips with and lead by example. Get rid of Bobby Hall. I heard I was watching a Colorado Avalanche game, and they were talking about Bobby Hall coming to town to Denver to, with the Blackhawks and doing the meet and greet and signing. Why is this happening? And they were just and it was a you know just a matter of fact, you know whether it's his his political beliefs and and what he said at different events, like in public forums and what, or what he's done domestic with his domestic abuse issues. I don't even want to call them issues. That's downplaying it. Uh, he's been, well, you know, I mean, former unchanging. Legend, John Van Beesburg still works in USA hockey after saying very, right. very racist things. And I'm not right. saying and, that, and that the, and it's not, not something you can overcome. You can learn. It's, from. it's the unrepentant. It's the, I mean, it's looking at Bill Peter's statement. That's not remorse. It's he's not he's he's apologizing to the flames and the flames fans who I'm not trying to just stereotype, but, you know, are white people who had nothing to do with this <laughs> and the actual incident. Obviously, they're employers and they deserve, you know, they were represented poorly uh, and he probably did stuff with, under the logo that was done poorly. But, you know, there was a much bigger audience that needed to be apologized to. And that's the reason why, at the end of the day, he was let go. Because if he's if that's how he is apologizing and everything, like, you know, he, he wouldn't have been able to keep continuing the coaching the Flames and, and being I the type of person that, who should lead the locker room that was badly it's a workplace it's a workplace it's a business now the nhl teams are businesses now this isn't the 70s where it's a team that like goes on a tour like a rock and roll band and you know or the 80s and stuff but like it's then, totally different i mean rock and roll bands still are subject to laws you know well yeah but i mean like you know like you'll hear stories about this like in you know you'll in any industry in any sport where there's power money drugs sex traveling you know all this stuff and competitive people competing you're going to hear about this stuff and it's what do you do to address and justify it? other leagues and other industries have done better than the nhl and have well, made more progress that's not Even, saying very much you know you're never going to be perfect we always have to strive to be better 
you know. Well, when when you go back, if you ever go back and listen to that show we did with Brock McGillis a year plus ago, and he was talking about hockey culture, we said it in the context of, you know, the LGBTQ community. And obviously they have, you know, been, I mean, treated very poorly by hockey as an understatement of the millennium. But you you think about where this is as, a, as a, just a cultural reckoning for this sport. This is the first time that hockey has legitimately had to ask itself, who are we and what are we doing? You know, and I, and I wrote something about this on my own personal blog. If you click on my profile, mattsportsmusings.com, it's the place where I can dump some thoughts out and write something. And I wrote about it. And I went, and this was before even we heard about, you know, with Crawford and more on Mike Babcock and all these stories. And more are going to come, let's be fair. This is the start. It's not the end of something. As much as some players think it's the start of uh, the end of something, it's not. It's clearly the start. More of this is going to come out. And there are going to be more very well-known names. I mean, there's there's stories buried in books. I mean, I, I have a Phil Esposito book. I bet if I go back and, you know, read the Phil Esposito book. Oh, I mean, Patrick O'Sullivan wrote about it four you know? years ago, and he's now being yeah. asked about it again, and I feel terrible for him. You know, like, we're seeing what Brent Sopel said, right? About, yeah, but, I mean, you're, you're like, even going to have the, the actual perpetrators having – written a book about these stories because they think it's you know part of the culture and it's been accepted i mean i mean if we want to get into it and and talk about the complexities and how just ingrained a lot of this is and how multifaceted it is the music alu was playing that he was told to turn off was probably music that featured homophobic slurs playing at loud volume that's an yeah and i'm you know like like it's like this is a very like there's it's it's society i mean this is a societal issue that has been magnified and allowed to kind of fester inside an industry because they haven't kept up with and maybe taken as many steps as other industries and other leagues have Mm -hmm. and you know just basic due diligence basic decency basic you know human things that regardless of ideology ideology you know background religion or whatever you would this is just doesn't mesh with how you're taught to treat other people i'm mclean said and i watched those uh hockey night segments uh this past weekend and he said it's like we didn't think hockey was the real world and that's exactly what this is if you want a one sentence description of everything that's going on right now it would be we didn't think hockey was the real world so nothing in there acted like it was the real world and now we have come finally and that bursts a lot of people's bubbles and that's why they act out in anger and they want to hold on to it you'll see adrian dater you'll see bill simmons you'll see yeah you'll see these guys lash out because they want to hold on to that bubble they have where they can be a big fish and get because outside that bubble they're not that they won't get their jobs they won't get people coming to them asking them questions having fans and followers having readers comment you know what i mean like that ha, you know and you know just a job you know like they well, won't let's be start with, let's start in the community with, anymore i want to start with some layers of this because when you look at I mean, just even hiring Bill Peters, as Brad Tree Living did, apparently they didn't interview anybody else. And apparently, yeah, yeah. like, when – let's go for a very recent example. The Toronto Marlies just hired a new coach. And <laughs> Kyle Dubas made a very clear point of saying, we vetted him, 
We went through all these, we talked with every one of these people. And again, if you're listening to this and you've applied for any job, this is what happens. I've had a friend who is applying for the bar and he needs like 10 or 15 character witnesses. And that's what you do in normal life because you don't want to make a mistake. Like you remember how all the times when the NHL sale process for owners was terrible. They didn't vet anybody. And now they have to. You got to go through all these steps just to make sure that the owners are above board. Yeah. And apparently, and, and whether you like or processes. dislike Viola, he's a different type of owner than they've hired in the past. He's somebody that would have a consistent income stream in high enough range to fund this hockey team. Well, even Tom I mean, Dundon, like that. I mean, yeah. Like that's what. But but that's just one element of it. But then the second element of it, I think, and we haven't really talked about all that much of with this hockey culture. And I say on it from the outside as somebody who's come from a fan perspective and has, you know, written about the sport and enjoys the sport, but not like I've been. I've never played in any level. But, and we'll get to this in a second. I mean, the the point that we see is this is a siege mentality that people inside hockey have. This is their bubble. They're inside their castle walls. And when you're under siege, what do you do? You fight back. Well, what would you do if someone was just like sitting at your house or whatever, you know, like you get like, especially North Americans have a very, we must protect this house under armor commercial mentality when it comes well, to did you see what happened their family, recently? the things that they identify with. And, you know, capitalism, commodifies identity and so when you you know like it's just a big bundle of emotional you know layers being peeled away that people have to either rectify with themselves or push back against and some people choose to push back well let's well let's because this as you say you have akeem Alou, you have what happened with mikhail yordan and another player but the other element of the onion that we have to get to is you heard the story about the, the PA saying, go through our channels to talk about these issues. And then everyone freaking out and going, no, that's why this problem exists in the first place. It's the culture of conformity, as Brock has said a thousand times, and we'll have to say a thousand more. And I feel bad for him because he has to do the same interview a million times because there's no one else to talk to in hockey that's been through what he's been through. Yeah, and there's, and there's no one that talks about it in as a like, easily digestible, measurable well, way. I think there's he's a straight-passing white dude, and it's very digestible for most people who yeah. otherwise. That's also another element of it. And again, I feel bad for him because you have to reconcile that. And also, like, P.K. Subban, Anthony Stewart, Wayne Simmons, Evander Kane. If Dustin Bufflin was around, he'd have to talk yeah. about this, too. It's not fair to these because, people. Because people use them to justify their point of view, whether it's oh, they say it's okay, or they say it's not okay, or people just looking to them to provide that, like, oh, since they are of a certain, they fit the category we're talking about, so we have to go talk to them now. But then there's also, of course, the elements of hockey culture. The element of hockey culture that I absolutely despise the most, it's the, you know, we don't want to be a distraction, it's all about the team, you know, it's why in the NHL, the superstars, the, some of the most amazing athletes you ever see, Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, John Tavares, you name them, are a stack of balsa wood. They're just blank slates of nothing. And in other sports, the biggest superstars are superstars. I mean, it's maybe not with Mike Trout, Millville's finest, but like even then, like so you got to be a star. And they don't want to be because that's the culture of hockey. And that plays a huge role when 
these stories were clearly known. And for years, Akimalu had to sit with this. And he couldn't say it because he felt fear that retribution would come. Because that's what yeah. Hollywood would do to people like that if you step out of line, if you are even slightly bit different. And that's horrific. That's horrific. Now, I come from a mindset, personally, as a very staunch individualist, somebody who never went along with the crowd, never gave in to conformity. That's just who I am. But this sport has to give up on that at some point because this is a new generation of players that are coming up in a world where that's not how it works. And I'm glad there are some players who are, you know, P.K. Subban does this, of course, and there are other players who are starting to do it more, and I want to see more of it, obviously. We all want to see more of it. You can be an individual. You can be yourself. You can have your own brand, as much as I hate that term, without, you know, sacrificing the team stuff. You know what I mean? But it, it, is, it is a culture that gets perpetuated because the only people that are allowed in hockey are people who have already been in hockey. You know, people who played, they become coaches. They have kids, they come in. The cycle repeats itself. And Yeah, I mean, the, the barrier to entry is high in financial terms, in time commitment, in travel, and... In everything. Like, you look at... It's hockey. not a sport. It's not a sport you can practice at home. So to continue to move up to the levels that – so, I mean, a lot of kids drop out by the time they get to high school because it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of commitment. And just to practice, you have to go spend a lot of money to get ice time or yeah, build yeah. a rink you or, you know. You can't play in your backyard. I mean, you can, yeah, but it costs but a lot of money. But it's not the same. That. No, it's not. And I You think can do the roller hockey. You can do you can play on your feet. You, you know, can do any your... sticks on your driveway, but that's not the same thing. Yeah. Uh. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but but like that's the part of the culture that it just has to change, and it's going to require people in the sport giving up. It's also what happens when people who have had power and want that power are forced to reckon with the fact that they might have to give it up, not because they want to, but because the forces are making them give up that power. And that is a hard thing for a lot of people to do. And you talk about it, like these people, Mike Babcock, I mean, some of the things that apparently he's done are, they're not mind games, trust me. I follow soccer. The coach of my team is Jose Mourinho. I know what mind games are. Mind games are saying to Deli Alley, why is your brother playing and not you or something to that effect? That's a mind game. That's not, that is not actively hurting somebody like Mike Babcock going to Mitch Marner saying, Here's, uh, give me a list of the players you think give the most effort, and then I'm going to go tell them. That's mentally damaging. That's not a mind game. A mind game is something like what happened with Deli Alley in that example. Yeah, and it's just like, why do you want your coach doing that to one of your best prospects? Like, why do you, like, what's the point of, what's I, I the, don't understand the, why point. is it worth the risk? Like, you could just make them crumble, and then the, there's that draft pick. That, I mean, like, and then people would be like, oh, well, if you can't take it, you can't take it. It's a whole different why, game, dude. Like, just you, leave it alone. You, if people do say that, yeah. would you subject you, yourself you're 18 year old kid. Would you dress? 18 years old, obviously. I mean, even worse. Yeah. But would you go to a job? Would you subject yourself to that from your boss? No, you wouldn't. And and these are the same people, you know. I, I, I'm not going to here to make cultural statements, but I what I, yeah. I what I want to say is that yeah. So the reason why you see that, and Brock said this to me, and I and it definitely comes out when you see something like this. Hockey is Canada, right? They're intertwined. They're so interconnected that people 
Maybe not, as we said, in the big cities like Toronto or Montreal or any or Vancouver, but in those smaller towns out in the prairies, hockey is the, the glue that brings people together. And it can do a lot of good, but hockey culture, when they feel like it's being attacked, feels like it's attacking them personally. And then you get into fight or flight, you get into a siege mentality, and that's what's happening. And people have to and understand, and I hope that we can find a way to differentiate this, is that we are attacking the parts of hockey that are damaging to people who are going to live with long-lasting damage. Akeem Alou will never be the same after what happened to him. And neither will Johan Franz, and neither will Brent Sopel, or Patrick O'Sullivan, or Mikhail Jordan, or any of these people. They've been abused, you know, mentally or physically, and there's definitely going to be cases of sexual abuse that come out with some of this hazing stuff. We've heard it already, and I'm pretty sure more is coming. Like, that's abuse, and that lives with you. That doesn't go away. That's not, oh, you're not tough enough to deal with it. That's, that's abuse. I don't know what else to say. Like, that stuff does not go away. It, well, yeah, and I, I think what people need to understand is a culture is not a set defined list of rules. A culture is a living, breathing, natural thing, organic thing that happens that the people who make up hockey and how they interact with each other makes the culture. So that is always going to change because the people who make up hockey should always be changing as you progress in time. And if you don't have that, if you stop that handoff, if you gatekeep and not allow the culture to grow organically on its own, I mean, the NHL, USA Hockey, Hockey Canada, you know, a lot of has spent a lot of money. I mean, Hockey Canada has spent years with Team Switzerland, which Switzerland is somewhat diverse as a nation. There's three languages, these, you know, German, French, and English. Uh, you know, they have and multiple Italian. cultures there. Yeah, yeah, and Italian. You know, like there is a, well, I, a lot. What's so interesting to me is, haven't you heard well, the comments, Tommy, one second, is like, well, it's a diverse locker room. You've got people coming from all different backgrounds, from Sweden and Russia and Finland and all these things. And I'm going to cite, we talked about it in the last show, or, or one of recent shows, um, Yanni Puhaka, who just came out as gay, player from Finland. When you read his story and you hear what he went through, hockey culture in Finland sounds a damn lot like hockey culture in North America. I'm just saying. So is it really all that different? Or is it, can these people coalesce and form that one shapeless blob of an identity of team without an individual that makes it easier for people like that to adapt and not be noticed like if i look back on that story from yanni and you see hockey culture ain't all that different anywhere like but it's it's because it's because they had it's not a culture people are saying this is hockey culture i mean i guess it is a culture but it's a forced culture it's 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 a dictatorship of rules that if you do if you don't follow these things there's a one percent chance that you will make it up the ranks you you'll continue to play this sport because you will be you will drop out yourself or you will be forced out uh and that's how it goes that's not a culture you know they spent how much like i was getting into earlier how much money has usa hockey nhl hockey canada spent growing the game in other regions bringing trying to get people who don't play hockey into the sport 
And then just like Don Cherry wants them to, it's you have to adapt to us, leave everything at the door when you join our group and adapt to us and make yourself into what we are. And you'll be accepted. If it's, not, you it's have like to go. It's like the world's crappiest fraternity. It's basically and you're not, you're not, you can't, they can't say that they want to expand, they want to do all this stuff and grow the game, and then not grow the game. And you can't say you want a hockey culture if you're not going to have the culture reflect the makeup of people in it. it. Unless, you know, it's, oh, we only reflect these types of individuals that play hockey, whether it's male, whether it's straight, whether it's white, whether it's affluent, whatever it is, Christian, whatever you want to say, um, North American, it's they impose a limit onto the culture that doesn't exist because that's not how it always, that's not how it's been. You know, like hockey has always been a diverse game if you look at the actual people who play hockey, not the people who've played in the accepted league. And the people who've actually been hockey fans, and the people who appreciate and and are actual the fabric of hockey, the it's actual why, it's culture. It's why you of look hockey. at what goes on with somebody like, I mean, the Hurricanes and just the storm surge, and you go and you look like that was a really big deal because in this sport that doesn't happen. Or Kyle Dubas saying what he says, and again, we happen to know a few people who know Kyle Dubas pretty well. Like when Kyle Dubas has said what he said about hiring Sheldon Keefe hiring their new coach of the Marlies and talking about all the things he talks about, if you were in a normal workplace, that'd be kind of boring and be like, oh, yeah, of course, that's what you should do. But in hockey, it's radical because nobody else does that. And you're going, like, like, and, and I, it's, that's what I said. Hockey's forced to reckon with itself and go, like, this is who we are. Is this what we want to and – I, and I put this in my story as well. Last year when the Raptors made the NBA Finals – Right, You looked at Jurassic Park, which is the same thing as Maple Leaf Square, and you looked at the people who were watching those games, and you saw something totally different than when you watched a Leafs playoff game. You saw Wonder Bread in Maple Leaf Square in, you know, during the playoffs. You didn't see many different kinds of people there. But in Maple Leaf, uh, but when it was Jurassic Park and it's the Raptors, look at all the different kinds of people that are there. And hockey was forced to go and look at itself and be like, are we doing enough to make sure that we don't end up just rotting on the vine? You know what I mean? Like, that's what the biggest issue is, right? Yeah, and I mean, it's it's uncomfortable. I mean, like, done even done right, even when everybody's on the same page and everybody agrees, just the the topics are uncomfortable by nature. Because they make us think, because they make us think about our own actions, actions what other people have done to us in the past, and they make us relive emotions or feel emotions that no one likes to deal with or think about or and have to process. In the alternative, it's not you experience fun. emotions you've never experienced before or think in a way right. that you've never had to think before. Because I know people hate it when you say this, but if you are a a bunch of people in hockey or straight white men, let's be fair. Straight white men are not forced to think about what happens when you're not that. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. Like, what happens if you're a woman? What happens if you're black? What happens if you're gay? What happens if all these things? You're never forced to think about that because you don't have to think about that. It's never something that's crossed your mind. It's something that just exists. And you yeah. fit into on it naturally. I've been in locker rooms. You know, I'm from, uh, you know, 
Chester County, Pennsylvania. You know, it's one of the affluent counties of Pennsylvania next to other affluent counties in the Philadelphia area. And growing up, you know, I've been in locker rooms and it's majorly 100%, you know, white, straight. You know, the families are all similar. You know, there maybe is a Jewish kid. There maybe is a female there maybe is you know like it's very limited to what you're in the locker room and what you're exposed to what the parents and the families that you stay over and go to their houses and, and see how other families live their families that look a lot like you their families that are live in the same neighborhoods as you you know that have the same lifestyle the same backgrounds everything you know you don't see variance really mm-hmm for sure. And, and, that's, and, and that's what, what you means. do goes unchecked. And that's the biggest point is you're not, there's no one from a different perspective, or whatever that says, Oh, have you, you know, that it comes from a different pair of shoes that can see, that can see things in a different light and be saying like, Oh, maybe we don't want to be saying this. Maybe these aren't things we want to quote. Maybe these, you know, maybe this isn't how we want to, you know, make fun of people and raz people. Maybe that, you know, there's none of that going on because it's everything's one, your kids growing up trying to get accepted and you're around people just like you. So there's no checks. There, there is nobody to even offer. It's not even to tell you that what you're doing is wrong. It's to offer yeah, another I mean, perspective. It's to offer say, right. what, if, what if you lived life this way? Yeah. And we're not saying that, you know, I mean, cause like we said with the music, with, with, you know, with a lot of things oh, that are said in music, so all types of music, of and that you have to tear down. Yeah, and and the you know and what you know it's not and like Dan Carcillo has come out and said like I've said and done things in the past in in the locker room outside the locker room involved in hockey that I wish I didn't do that was wrong of me to do. I've been in similar you know like your teenage kids growing up in a locker room where. Things teenagers are don't have the ability to, to, to honestly. I'm not saying the teenagers don't have the ability to think for themselves because they do. But if you're putting them in a yeah. culture like that, they certainly don't have the ability to think. And it's them. not about have you committed this act. It's have you committed this act and continually seen it as okay and continually redone that act or continue that behavior, continue that abusive behavior, and will and has have you continued it into recent history. And are you likely to continue into the future? Listen, that all, all has you to do. And I, it's really hard for a lot of people to do this, but we ask of people to do this. If you did something wrong, it is really hard to say, I'm sorry, I screwed up. But if you do that, then you know what's going to happen? People are going to say to you, okay, and then we're going to give you a chance to change. Dan Carcillo, who I want on this show very badly, if we can get him on, I would love to have him on to talk about all these things because what he's doing right now is something I admire incredibly so, and I know you do too. Like, if you're going to be like him and you admit, yeah, I did some things wrong, but now I'm going to make up for it. I'm going to change. If, if Mike Babcock is going to say, you know what? I screwed up. I made bad decisions uh, in my past, not just what happened with Mitch Marner, but with a lot of other things. And I'm going to say like, you know what? I'm going to try to learn. I'm going to try to change some things. That's good. You know, if Mark Crawford, if it turns out he did all these things that he's alleged to have done, and it's very likely that he did, if he comes out and says, you know what, I screwed up, that was something that in the past I thought was okay, it's not okay now, 
we'll be able to re-accept you and rehabilitate you. We'll be willing to give you second chances. But you have to earn the second chance. And the problem is in hockey, a lot of people never wanted to admit that they were wrong in the first place or that there was a problem. And that was the Don Cherry thing. And when Don Cherry got fired, I know it's not directly linked to Mike Babcock being fired and the Mitch Marner story, but you can see now going back on it, Don Cherry being fired was the first moment where hockey, as it was constructed, had to start to reckon with itself and be like, what is, what are we? What are we doing? Why are we here? What do we want to be, right? And now, yeah. here we are two weeks later. The segment where Coach's Corner would have been is to talk about racism as a hockey, is to talk about abuse in hockey. I mean, it's not going to change overnight. This is going to be a slow burn. And obviously, there are people in this sport, I'm going to assume uh, tons, hundreds, maybe thousands, who have had to deal with horrific stories that I hope they are able to tell. I hope they find the courage to tell. And I hope people find the courage to say that this sport can do a lot of good for a lot of people, but we you have to weed through the tough stuff first. And no no area is perfect. All sports have issues. You know, a lot of these are society reflecting on something like this. But sports are real life. You learn yeah. about real life through sports. I've learned a lot about yeah. real life I, through I, sports. Sports think, are not an island unto themselves. Nothing is an island unto themselves. Yeah, yeah. and then, like, you know, I think... At the end of the day, this is long past due because of the thing, because of decisions at a level at the NHL level that were already made. They wanted to expand the game, they wanted to grow the game. They've done that, and now this is this is on them. The, the players, we've heard for a while that you know, coach, players today are different. They have to be, you know, like they just see things differently, and that's just the tip of the iceberg obviously but it wasn't hard to see this coming it's it's i mean because of the it, way that hockey of the of how hockey players act and how this sport has been i mean there's going to be a lot of stories that are going to come out all at once and it's going to feel like an avalanche it's going to feel difficult but it's going to be for the greater good of so many people in this sport to feel like they can now feel comfortable being involved in this sport that's what yeah. I hope we're gonna, happens. We're going to have to post when we stop this discussion and pick up hockey talk. Oh, I think I... There's been a few people who will want to skip through it, and uh, that, that's fine. They've, prob- they've probably heard enough of this, and they don't want to hear our opinions. Well, and I mean, but You know, I that's just the way it is. It's important it. for us to say it, but, you know. Well, it's I also think... because this is going to continue to happen. And for me, it's so hugely important because, obviously, as an openly bisexual man and somebody who cares a lot about, you know, queer people in sports with hockey having basically no one it's a it's a big deal and also you know this sport if it wants to survive it cannot take its privileged place in Canada for granted and it clearly has because of what I talked about with the Raptors this stuff's gonna have to be done and I hope now the NHL realizes it has the power to do that it has the opportunity to do that hopefully whether it be with Akeem Alou, whether it be with what's happened elsewhere, this can if, be done, but they have to be willing to make it happen. I think they if, can. I think they can, but much more needs to be if, done, and, and this is the start. This isn't the end. This is the start of something, and no Jay Bomeister. This is not people cherry-picking. This has happened to a lot of people. Maybe you were one of the lucky ones who didn't have to go through this, but this is not the, this is not the end. We're not even close to the end. 
I, well, I Dan think Carcel we have is to telling people that 300 stories he's been told, and a lot of them are people who don't want to tell them publicly yet, and that's perfectly fine. But more, more is going to come, and it's going to force us again to reckon with what is hockey. What are we doing in this sport? Are we giving people the opportunity not just be the best players they can be, but to be the best people they can be? And that's what I hope is happening. And that's why, again, when you hear what Kyle Dubas says or some of these other people, you you feel like it's such a sea change. But it it's really like, oh, hockey's just catching up with the rest of the world and the world around it. And as I said, I hope that this is the start of something better for this sport. I hope it's the start of people healing inside the sport who have been damaged by it, who didn't sign up for that, and obviously did not expect to go through that. And there are tons of people there. Hopefully that's what we see. Hopefully that's what happens. And we can move on to hockey with this transition. How about Well, that? I mean, the, the, the final point I want to say is, if the NHL doesn't get rid of Bobby Hall, if they don't do things to grow the female game, because let's face it, that is part of the culture issue as well. If they don't, you know, and there's a lot of underutilized LGBT representation in the female hockey world that the NHL could definitely use their expertise on. And and I just don't understand mm-hmm. how this won't be, I don't know. I, I, I think we've talked said the same thing about this for the last three minutes so i guess um let's all focus on one more thing uh as we transition away from this when dan carcillo talked about the best coaches he had and he mentioned one of them joel quenville i was like okay good i don't have to actively hate the coach of the team i like now because he did things. yeah it's it's you know it's that's only the ownership that's a a good sign sign. well also as i said it certainly looks like as we said that that some coaches have been able to evolve with the times, even yeah. though they've been in the sport forever. Others, like Mike Babcock, clearly have not. I want. But to talk if about- the NHL doesn't, if the NHL doesn't really start making changes with the Bobby Hall, the female hockey and stuff, they're not, they're not going to be sincere about whatever they do with with this situation. It'll all just be optics. It'll all just be. To, to smooth things over and to you know it's it's only going to be real change if the NHL starts with themselves and what they can easily control and that's Bobby Hall's cut off all those past you know people we know of that just are Bobby Hall level bad are cut off you know like we gotta you know Panthers need to be a little honest about Potvin and uh, you know Beesbrook. Yeah, Van Beesbrook and you know their USA hockey needs to be honest. To extent, and that there's that too. Yeah, I like, mean, and, and some of it also comes from my, my Stephen Camper. Of, there's yeah. Yeah. Like, like hockey. Like I cannot, in some ways, yes, what these actions are heinous, but hockey culture allowed people to think that this was okay. And yeah, and, like, that, that's and the, that's to the, show the, that they yeah. they really are turning over a new leaf, they need to go and say, you know, these these. These are the you know we are turning over a new leaf ourselves and well also get, that's on junior you know, hockey that's on the association yeah. in Ontario and Quebec. If the NHL doesn't do it though, no one else will. They're the ones everyone well, cares. The thing about. I think that is different now, and this is the last thing we'll mention on it because it is 48 minutes on the podcast. So we haven't even talked hockey yet. Um, I know it's killing me, man. Uh, it's it's one thing I want to talk about is this: the they can do it, 
And the reason why I think it's going to happen is because the public pressure on them to do so is going to be more immense than ever. Just not just social media, but I think even the media is going to start to do that a little bit more because they know that they're getting it from their 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 readership that they want to see this happen. I think it's going to continue to happen, and these stories are not going to stop. And I hope that some people in this we'll see if if they go by if they go by feedback and they're going to. Well, I think it's going to be equal feedback are going to be of more vocal than others. But listen, I think I think both sides have the have been equal. It's 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 going to change because. Again, the society is going to force this. I've always said it. It's like, if you don't want to change, that's fine. But natural selection is going to get to you eventually. Society is going to get to you eventually. Like, these things change. And if you got to be willing to adapt. That's what humanity has been so good at in order to get to where we are as a species. Anyway, let's talk about actual hockey because there are hockey things to talk about. Uh, the Devils are terrible and they fired their coach. That's a very amusing thing because so many people thought the Devils might make the playoffs this year, and uh, no, they're not. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think John Hines was just—he had a lot of pedigree, and I'm sure he's going to get another crack at it. But well, most NHL coaches, most NHL coaches, don't do well in their first gig. Uh, so you know, that's we'll see how it is. Um, I think you know, but the main issue is Shiro has done well, but hasn't built with the same amount of speed that he's traded with. So he's brought in Hall and Subban and Schneider. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Shiro was Schneider. I can't remember. Oh, or not. No, that was low. That was low. Okay. Um, but, you know, like, that, so let's throw that in there too. But, you know, then they didn't have the team around them that merited bringing guys who are ready, able to compete now and want to be ready, able and compete now because it's the prime of their careers. Uh, so doing that just didn't really make a lot of sense when you look at where they are with the rebuilds. So now they're rebuilding on the rebuild and that's going to take a while. And I'm, I've never been a big Jack Hughes fan that, you know, you're looking at the Pavel Zaka pick. They've done better in late rounds. I really like their overall draft board um, in, in most years, but there are also a lot of, you know, long-term players, it's just going to take a while. And they're New Jersey. It's going to be harder for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and they're going to trade Taylor Hall, obviously. I mean, that's going to happen. And I mean, obviously the first name that pops out is Vegas because any winger that jumps on the scene, Vegas is after. Uh, They're the new San Jose like that. I don't think because, I mean – Colorado, to me, if they're going to add anything, and I consider myself a new Colorado fan, they're the hockey games I love to watch this year versus any other game. They're my team, for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, when you when you want to actually enjoy a hockey game and root for a team that's good through and through, they don't really need many pieces. They maybe need a guy who's been there and can help take the load off McKinnon's shoulder so he doesn't have to be thinking about the off-ice stuff during the playoffs as well as the on-ice stuff. And um, But I don't think that's Taylor Hall because he hasn't really been there because of the teams he's played on. But here's uh, something that I would say about that, is that Taylor Hall, you could argue, his entire career has been asked to be the guy, right? But maybe, maybe he might be lucky and he might not have to be the guy if he goes to somewhere like Colorado because he's not. Because right, you have but Landis Cog and that's going to be a lot of chips that they don't really need to give up for a piece. Of, I mean, they have 
a well, Taylor we, Hall. We, we've type. always talked about it. They have we, three Taylor Hall types. We've already Burkowski talked about it. Burakovsky and the are doing well for them. You know, we've like they talked about it though. It's like if you've got a chance to win the cup, why not go win the cup? You've got plenty of prospects. You can afford to give up your first round pick and maybe you know a goalie prospect to get you know one of these guys. Do but I, I think Taylor Hall is going to be getting a lot more. I mean, well, I, I, I think mean, I'm just saying like, off the base level. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think for me. Uh, I would be... Where would you like to see him go then? I mean, I don't want to see him go anywhere. I'm happy with him just chilling in New Jersey. But for that's the... not going to happen, so... I mean, I think I think there's a chance that he he's going to get just pawned off as a rental because I guarantee he wants to call his number, call, you know, and he's gonna he wants to just sit and go to free agency. There's no reason for him not to. So well, I, I could see agency regardless, but I think that yeah, that's I, what I'm saying. So I can at, I? But, but can I answer trade, now? It's like you're the you're going to get something now? for him. You know you're going to get something for him. You get something for him. Hall has a chance to you know win a playoff series. That'd be nice for him, you know. And then hey, the team that has him might still win the draft lottery. Yeah, no, I get that. Like Hall's going to get traded, but I think he's going to get traded as a rental. So like, he's oh, gonna he's definitely going to get traded as a rental, though. I can I answer? I mean, <laughs> just, I mean I'm like in. The, I'm yeah, setting up you're my. Repeating yourself because I'm thinking about. Um, uh, I'm trying to give you a team that I think is going to be a weird place that he ends up, and like, you keep cutting. I, I me saw off. a link from. You keep Park. cutting me off, dude. Like, can I just yeah. say what the team is? What's the team? The New York Islanders. You know what? It's funny because Eklund said that. Yeah, but I see. I'm I'm at least saying I made it up and not charging you. Oh, for it. okay, okay, very. I'm good. literally just sat. He doesn't. I just literally think of a team that would be willing to pay the price to rent Taylor Hall to go big on a year, and it's Lou Lou who's traded for him already. No, uh, who that was Shiro. Oh, that was Shiro. See, but, we're getting confused. But here. but my question. But anyway. if you're the Devils. Like, do you want to trade Taylor Hall? To the New York Islanders. I know it's not the Rangers. You don't care. You get. You're getting the. This is all. He's going to get the best package. True, it's it's it a does, rental. It doesn't really matter. At this he point. knows he's not going to sign. On I'm the just saying it would be odd to see that. Like I would think that the that the Islanders would make a play from free agency. I wouldn't be surprised if Montreal did too because they've. Got but the Islanders base. have a division spot and are going to. Want to, I mean, they're going to want to get better. They're going to be going out for the big guns. They yeah. What do they need? You look at what they need. Boring. Well, yeah, because it's a Barry Trotz system. Barry Trotz, you know, Taylor Hall has done well in a, where he's had to carry offensive loads. He wouldn't have to carry all the offensive load because there's Barzell. There's somebody else who can get up and down the ice. He doesn't have to lug the puck everywhere for everyone. So, And they have good finishers. Mm-hmm. They have Anders Lee. Uh they have uh, what's I love Anthony Bouvier. I think Bouvier. he's got yeah yeah I really like him. Um, so I think you know he would fit in well there, and he would be a guy that would take them from a team that makes the playoff on a good regular season to a team that can win a playoff series if they get the Barry Trots you know of playoff past. Yeah, that would be that would definitely be interesting. I mean, because, I mean, everyone's talking about Edmonton. Like, yeah, like, good luck. Taylor Hall is going to go back to Edmonton. I don't Screw think it. that that's going to happen. To I mean, because that just would be something he'd have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, as I At said, least Colorado, for the rest of this. Montreal, those are – Nashville I could see happening because, you know, it's David Poyle and that's what he would do. 
you know, like wouldn't you would you not be surprised if that if the if the predators tried to pull something like that? The predator, I don't think the predators have any chambers left in the gun. I think they've they've got draft they've, they've, they've got wheeled and dealed. I think they need to stop wheeling and dealing because they they <laughs> they keep doing they keep shedding valuable pieces they need by wheeling and dealing many for one or you know three for two and, uh, yeah, and all that stuff. Tourists. So you know, like. Oh yeah, like that trade just absolutely smoked them. It just clear them out, and they need to just sit tight because some of your better players are way too old. This is and, also a correct story. Yeah, I mean, so. I saw how they played against the Panthers on Saturday. That was a uh, pretty poor. Uh, other hockey-related stories. I before we get to the Panthers rant that is incoming. Uh, is there well, anything else that's interesting? Do you want to talk about the Flyers before you talk about the Panthers? Well, here's here's what I'll say. The Flyers, I don't even I don't have to talk about. If I'm talking about something a lot, it's either because uh, it's they're, bad. Yeah, right. Like that's what we do, right? Yeah, that's basically just try to fix problems. There's no real problems for the Flyers uh, to fix, and and they don't have any expectations. So the other part of me talking about is if I think they have high expectations or there's a lot of expected of them. The Flyers just need to hit the playoffs, get that playoff revenue, or at least be in the playoff hunt all year. How about the Flyers for Taylor Hall? That I mean, I don't. Want to know. I don't know how they would do it. They could. They can't maybe trade for him now. They don't have the ability to do JBR that. JBR and yeah. They had the yeah. prospects, I, I, but again, it just the Devils and Flyers trading. I mean, this doesn't seem like a thing that could happen to me. I think he could be a free agent signing. Though. Right. That's something I could say. Uh, also, did you know that since we did our last show two weeks ago, most ambitious crossover episode in history, the Florida Panthers are two and four, and one of those wins came when they came back from a four nothing deficit, and the Flyers are five zero and two, I think is correct. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, five zero and two. Oh, what a wonderful world. Because they're a team that has a lot of older veteran players that are still Good. pretty high quality. They have a middle, like a prime age core like Couturier, who's one of the best centers in the game. He's, he's going to uh, get a selfie this year. He's, he's gonna yeah, I think so. I think so. I think so. I mean, let's be fair. And he's he and he's kind of having a year that Taylor Hall won an MVP with. If you know what I mean, like he's having that year. Um, but it's it just it is uh, a privilege to watch him play. It's just yeah. it's just beautiful. He just has a lot more support, so I don't think he'll get the same. No, support. he's not gonna win the. Well, you can't win the heart in the year that McDavid and Drysaddle and Pasternak are doing what they're doing. But he's gonna win the Selkie. I mean, at this yeah. point, he's going to win the Selkie, and that's. Perfect. I mean, to me. To me, McKinnon has been the most valuable player to his team because of what they've had to, too. and and what he's done defensively and how he's grown as a he's not just a wind up, skate around people player. That's still McDavid for the most part is still. Oh, if you look at his defensive metrics, know, they are terrible. Yeah, so like you know, McKinnon's becoming and a progressing and and turning into that. Crosby dominating star. Or uh, even in, in the wild yeah. like that. Right. So I, I you know, I I think McKinnon would be my horse right now, but yeah, I, I think you, 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 Astronaut you know would be my second be horse. You, you know it's gonna be Well, I mean why? Because I mean Joyce it'll living just as well. I know, but, I know. So, I, I mean, like how, but you I mean, have to think about how and Drysdale does a little more defensively and stuff. I, so. Again, if you look at any sort of defensive metrics, good lord. <laughs> McDavid. Um, 
it 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 is very amusing like that. But the uh, Flyers, you know, you have. I mean, JVR and Hayes maybe aren't scoring as much, but they're doing other things, and I'm not totally done on them. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not frustrated with them too much. But the Flyers have, you know, two two and a half, three really solid lines. Uh, they have five, maybe six good defenders, like that fit their role, that are playing well, that are gelling, that, uh, you know, and. They have two goalies who I think are capable of winning games and playing for, you know, three, five game stretches and, and bearing down and being a starter for that little series or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, to different outcomes and they're not great. You know, Brian Elliott isn't the greatest and Carter Hart isn't, you know, Carter, as Carter Hart as he usually is, but you know, they're still good enough. Uh, and I think I can, they can be depended on later in the season they have a coach that is new that people are that the team's buying into because the best thing about the Flyers, which hasn't been around the last three years, is the team game, and it's 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 fun to watch. And when if I wish more Florida Panthers fans would watch outside teams games where Florida Panthers are not involved, like go watch and, and wow. try to follow some teams and watch more and just see how they play a team game and how their supports. Their passing, their skating patterns, um, all of that is different. And, and and if you enjoy watching that more, because <laughs> uh, I definitely do. I know you do. I definitely yeah. know you do. Uh, okay. Uh, let's now that we are an hour into and the show. And then you know, Colorado's just doing Colorado things. We'll we'll break well, we'll the, break out in another episode more about well, that. Well, Washington is just killing people. The Bruins are killing people. I mean. Yeah. It, it uh, is- I would t- I would I would be worried that we can't get away from Tampa and Tampa's having one of the worst years they'll probably have in the next three. So um, you need to well, take advantage of that. Not, I mean, Montreal's on an eight, it was on an eight game losing streak. I mean, yeah. it's like, it's time for Florida to separate themselves from the middle of the pack. And right now, as we're that. about to get into, it's a roster construction issue. And until they back up their talk, with a ro- with roster action, it's just like the NHL's all bark no bite. It's just like us talking about all the stuff all the time, but never uh, going out and doing it because we're just podcasters. Let's but, start know, with this. I will say they suck. Well, they're playing they badly suck. right now. That that is definitely the truth. And the good news is Joel Clenville agrees with you. Like he didn't focus on anything on last night how the Panthers kind of did get goalied, but uh, he was. And let me just him. point out. That in the last week and a half, well, now that things are at a relative point in the season where you can start to be critical, and as things have started to actually get to a concerning point, George Richards is starting to frame questions in a different way than he's ever framed questions before. And a little a bit of that is, you know, the makeup of the communications department of the Panthers now and the, and a little bit is on George Richards at the athletic versus where he was before. And a little, and a little bit is having a coach that can handle those types of questions. Yep. Um, but it's nice to see it going that way. So I just wanted to point that out. Cause oh, I saw I mean, a couple, I saw a couple pro- fans on Twitter. He knows. And also he doesn't stand for it. And you can tell in the press conferences, cause the Bob Booger press conference last night would have been, we got goalied and Joel Clemble's like, we yeah. didn't do what we had to do to win. And we got what we deserve. Isn't that great to hear? So at least the coach is doing that. 
So let's get to the player issues that there are, and we'll focus. We talked about the day. I don't think we could talk about it anymore. I wrote about it. And how I mean, the I think problem. I think we have to. I mean, because well, that's the the again the issue is there are five to six people who at the end of last year I said needed to go. They we reached the point of diminishing returns with these players. Yes. They have to go. We are being crippled by putting them out there. And right now, they're still playing. We have we have Quinville, who wants to play Chris Dreger and Sit Bobrovsky to send a message. But Pissick is playing way too goddamn much. Well, because the other option... Mike Matheson has barely taken a shift off, and he blows. He's one of the worst defensemen Florida has put out recently. Like, I want Jason Demers back. I want yeah. Kulikov back. I've seen Kulikov play better this year than I've seen Matheson play. Yeah, this and I'm not, and I'm a guy who loves Kulikov, but came to grips that Kulikov wasn't a good defenseman for the Panthers, and it needs to happen with these with these now. Brown's finally out of the lineup, but it's only because Weger's healthy, and Weger since has coming back is going to take a while to regain his form, uh, and he may not regain it. To that, I'm. He, I don't think he's one of the best like, players in the NHL. Good in the last couple games, but obviously he's made them look not like a complete tire he's, fire. He's a top four defenseman, and that's a big help on the left hand side because where they don't have a top four defenseman, they don't have one top four defenseman on the left hand side right now. Yep. Outside Uyghur, who's a righty and playing aisle position, yep. and probably would do a lot better on the right hand side. I would think so. Uh, well, I don't want to say that. Well, uh, I mean, I some not parts a of his game, thing, but it could it could definitely. I mean, that's the thing with, with, with I agree with you, because Ekblad is playing really well, but again, he can't do it himself. Well, obviously. he's not the type of D that, no. again, it, Ekblad at his best still has the weak. They all 7D have the same weaknesses. There's not a defense defender out there that has better, that has, I would say, very good to great defensive awareness. There's a couple defenders that have average, like better than average to maybe good defensive awareness. Stroman and, and Weger probably. Yeah. Ekblad's getting getting to be, you know, Ekblad's average. The best, defense. the best, the best. And everybody else Ekblad is and Weger are their ability to break up plays entering the zone. That's what they're really good at. But... <laughs> yeah, no one's good in the zone. And the, Strawman, the Strawman's you... good on the first pass when he has time and space. And then if you have to deal with speed, then it becomes an issue. Uyghur's, Uyghur's pretty solid on the first pass. Yandel's solid on the first pass if he's stationary, which is weird. But he's, he's a stationary player. That's why he's good on the power play. That's why he's bad at agility and pivoting. But again, for, how, how, am, how am I, someone who is not as talented at hockey evaluation as the people who are hired by the Panthers, let's assume, uh, how am I noticing all this stuff for years? I mean, this is this is once again me being unfortunately 18 months ahead of the Panthers, and because of that, the Panthers are presumably, possibly, pissing away a year where they need to make the playoffs, and they could have made the playoffs last year. They could have made the playoffs the year before that. They could have. They had it. They shot themselves in the foot. They did something stupid. They they pissed it away. They did it themselves. And they're and they're, they're we're projecting we're downward trajectory that way again, like it's unbelievable 
it's the same shit every year. Like, I can't believe it. It's a little different. Like, this year, they kind of started out well and stuff, but they were just picking up a bunch of loser points to, to make it seem better. Uh, you know, and, like, yeah, they, you know, they have Huberto playing top-end hockey. Hard By the way, everyone everyone needs to vote Huberto for the All-Star Please game this die. year. Please it's his turn, Get him to the and All-Star he's game. earned it. You know, he's, Maybe not he's his the... mustache, but, the, but yes, I, I agree with you. But, yeah, like, I mean, Hoffman has given up more goals than he oh, scored this God, year. Oh, God, yeah. This is why people, we talked about not bringing back Hoffman next year and why yeah. you bring back Dad not and instead. I can admit when I'm wrong, Brett Connolly somehow is still, is perfor- is the he numbers I thought play. weren't going to carry over have carried over. I mean, he has one power play goal and, and this year. He has a Yeah, but it's, strength. but, like, his, his, he, t- like, his shooting percentage is very good. The shots he takes are the same sort of weird. Like he's not a. I wouldn't say he's a good shooter. I would say he's a weird shooter, and goalies can't handle it. Like he, and that's good. Like the outcome is still good, but I wouldn't say he has a good shot. I would say I mean, he's like got this weird unique shot. Look at him in expected goals. Like he's crazy. really good. Yeah. So like I can admit I'm wrong, and I can do it in very short order. Why can't the Florida Panthers do yeah. the same thing? Like, and it's time to make moves. I don't care how funny Mark Pissick is in the locker room. I don't care that there's people who like him on the team. I don't care that Vincent Trocek is well-liked. Like, we got to make some decisions and get going here. Bortram hasn't done shit for, for the franchise yet. He was just featured in Corey Promman's People I've Messed Up On, and Henrik Borgstrom was one of the people he had way too high. Uh, and you know he's like I should have seen it. You know he was a he was a second year entry level. He never put up the numbers in Finland. Blah, blah blah. And then when he did well, he did well as an older kid in college, where yeah, like that's kind of common. And there's a ton of people who never touched professional hockey who put up those numbers and play that well in college. And then with the development and stuff, it's just you know like there's Panthers need. I'm not saying Borgstrom's a bust. I'm not saying Trocek can't turn around. I'm not saying Matheson is not worth something on the trade market. But the Florida Panthers need to keep taking steps forward. Just like the hockey culture, we talked for an hour about how you can't just be stuck in neutral. You can't just – or in the same gear, whatever gear you want to call it. You can't just stay there and and when you're losing constantly or things just aren't as good as they could be, not do anything to get better. You can't atrophy. And the Panthers constantly – take like one step and atrophy and then because of that they fall four or five steps behind and then they get up the courage and they finally and they save up the change and they convince the owner to finally spend money and then they take a step forward but they ignore all the other stuff so then they atrophy again they have to make and it's happening defensively and and if people are going to say and we're going to talk about Bobrovsky has he been bad yes He's been he's been bad. I'm done. He's been fine. He's been fine. He seriously look at his numbers. His numbers would literally be better, average to better than average if you take out the the fact that the the Hoffman, yeah. Trocheck, some of the for, like some of the other forwards like Sevier, uh, you know, and then just human error. That's going to happen. And then the defensive mistakes. There's at least one forward and one defensive or two defensive mistakes. There's two goals a game that any goalie would probably give up because 
the the forwards keep missing an assignment. The defenders keep missing an assignment, and one of them goes in. But it doesn't matter. Bobrovsky's eventually going to let one in. Dreger, uh, Montembeau. Oh, we could get the ghost of Curtis Joseph. Two of them were not his fault. Uh, I would say one wasn't his fault. Two. I mean, hit the 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 breakaway. He's he. I would say it's it's a breakaway, so it's not really his fault. But he got he did not look like an NHL goalie on the breakaway, uh, and no. that's yeah, and that's but... that's kind of on him. He just literally swam and got fooled on like the like nothing. Like I was I was a no hands defenseman who played at a you know triple A level. And that's like just he just basically like just like moved the stick blade and he and he just bit hook line and sinker just yeah, swam. There's that. And then and then the other and then the third goal the glove goal was just like a nothing shot. Yeah, the defense was puck watching. The team was the team was puck watching, not just the defense. Yeah, he shouldn't be allowed to just peel off the wall that easily. He got like bounced off two Panthers like that shouldn't happen. But like that was a very savable shot. And again, he looked like an AHL goalie with his glove on that, and he's just going to continue to get exposed. But it does. But they need to get better goaltending. Sure. Yes. They need to get better goaltending, but they're not oh, getting it's not bad. The biggest problem on the team. That's yeah, I, and it's I, not I, the goaltending isn't bad, and you can understand why the bad goals happen from a goaltending perspective when you can't trust the people in front of you. Yeah. When you're trying to outplay, when you're trying to play with the skaters when you're trying i mean there are some games where bobrovsky is very adventurous slides around a lot and stuff because he's actively trying to guard all the spots at once and as a goal you just can't you have to be focused on the puck tracking the puck be very you know and especially bobrovsky i've seen him for a long time since you know he's come into the league i've watched a lot of his games always loved him Mm-hmm. So that, that may be biased, but he needs to not be focusing. That's why he did so well under Torts. And when that, I mean, Columbus didn't even have that great of a blue line, but they had a blue line that played well together and played well in the way that Bobrovsky needs to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Bobrovsky doesn't, he can take a lot of shots. It is not about limiting shots. It's don't make Bobrovsky have to go back and forth and tire him out. If you look at stretching the post, maps post, from, from Michael McCurdy, look at where the Panthers give up more shots than average. It's in yeah, the it's, really high danger areas. And it's not going to change. I mean, we've seen we've seen improvement from last year to this year, and then we've seen it plateau. Because yeah. we've seen what a coach, we've seen what Kitchens and Q will do. We've seen what Strawman brings to the team, and we've and seen we, what a better Uyghur does. That we, we've reached what that will do for the team. And we still see the same issues. You yeah, know, it, it, they it, can it, get a new defenseman, but they still have to get rid of Hoffman because Hoffman's still going to be making those dumbass decisions. Oh, God. And people are saying, why is Hoffman on the third line? I don't get why Hoffman's on the third line. Because he can't defend. Well, it's not even that. It's because he plays like there is no, there's no need to defend. It's not just people not doing their jobs. It's people not understanding that they have to play a certain way to allow others to do their job. Vinny Trocheks is is playing fine hockey, but he's making everybody else's job on the ice that much harder because he's not playing a team game. He's not playing the team game they need. Mm-hmm. And he's not executing on his own style, so he's not getting the goals and points we're used to seeing. He There's a lot of being brushed and swept under the rug right now 
when Florida Panthers, because they had the good start and because they happened to be sitting in the right spot at the right time in the playoffs. Like, if they were sitting second in the division a, a week before Thanksgiving and dropped out, it wouldn't matter. But they happened to do it at the quote-unquote American Thanksgiving deadline or whatever that people are all, you know, you know, patting themselves on the I, back. I, I will say this. That's just it, optics. That's I, optics. It's fool's gold. This team is still the ninth, eighth seed in the East kind of level hockey. And if you're looking at the wild card, I'm scared because that's all Metro teams and they're way ahead of Panthers. Yeah, they and are. Goes, wins and a lot of stuff. So you're basically, you got Panthers are hoping to hang on to the third division spot. And a week ago, they were on the, uh, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, people were talking like they, this was the best year ever. And now, you know, we're talking about hoping to hang on to the final because it would be the eighth spot by points wise, the final playoff spot. Come they on. Need to make, they need to do something. And I will and I will say that the trade market is sludgy, but they still need to do something. I don't have much desire to watch. I mean, I watch games because I feel like, you know, I don't want to give up on everything. But I mean, I was so hyped for the season. I thought things were coming around. But they keep, they're plateauing, and and typical Panthers stuff. When they plateau, it's that way to the end of the season. At best, we'll do some stupid bullshit at the trade deadline, which is like rearranging the musical chairs on the Titanic, and then you know we'll we'll flame out, mate. I mean, like they need to do something because look at the building; it's empty. Oh yeah, you think that they're not losing bad. some? You think they're not coming out flat, and they can't put down their six seed game? a 60-minute effort because there's, like, 5,000 people in the building. Have the people aren't there aren't there for hockey. They're there because they need to do something with their kids or because it's a cheap date or and they can just walk around and talk or something. You know, like, I don't know. Like, it's – man, it's and the – What is the point of doing this podcast and, and, and what is the point of watching these games and stuff if this team, with all the money – that they're throwing at it with all the great with some of the better hires with the best prospects they've ever had with the best players they've ever had playing at the height of their career if they still are it's the same result what what's the point the definition then? of insanity etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah so i mean like you got they got to do something because they they're falling behind and so they only have to make the changes that they should have made like stillman should have a quarter of an nhl season under his belt should be comfortable should start to have his minutes turned out or we should start to know what he is capable of instead he's nowhere close to being able to take nhl games that would have been one of the three, maybe four defenders that Florida needs to change over by next season. And the problem is, if they wait till too long, it's not that they need to like they need to have one or two one defenseman this year, but they need to have like three or four new ones next year, or they're going to be screwed. Because I mean, you need but Barkov's contract isn't going to. There's no pause button. You can't just pause yeah. that. It's it's running out. And the best and like they can't. Then go into next season with just that one new defenseman, and then you know have to try to figure out midseason. Because guess what, all the defensemen aren't there. But look how many defensemen move in the off season. Yeah, th- th- this is 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 an urgent concern. I said it a week ago, and it is still urgent because I'm just can- tired of saying this stuff every year, 
And you like no I'm, I'm in the I'm in no I'm in July. Idea. I'm in July saying, hey, when are we trading Pissick? Hey, when are we getting another defenseman? And people are like, well, just let's wait to see what camp holds and yada yada yada. And I, as I said, don't, I don't I don't worry about what's about. It's a lot of people. What the fan? What what's worry about what's up is not nothing. Pathetic. I get if if Towns here just to retire and sit around and call. GMs just to talk about the glory days and stuff and which players they abused and all that stuff. I'm I'm just like, come on, man. like, is doesn't we're not here to show R- Roberto Luongo the the ropes here. We're here to to win. So let's let's get on the phone. We'll start making some deals. It shouldn't be that hard to move out Pissick. You move out Pissick, you can call two players up in his. The Jets can use Mark Pissick, couldn't they? Yeah, like you have to move his cap hit, and then the. Gates open. Why is Sevier still here, man? After how many? Every time he plays, he gives up a goal. He does nothing offensively. You know, it's not the same Sevier that we all loved. You know, it's a different. He's, it's you know, he's a dime a dozen player. They have good years, but they mainly have replaceable years. He's replaceable. Let's replace him. Yeah. I don't know what Dominic Tenato has done. He's been. Uh, I don't know what's so special about him. Tom. But like, what bugs me is like Q's doing the same shit that. Bugner's done that other coaches have done where they'll 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 punish people who re- and hold people accountable except the ones that really need to be accounted for and they'll change out things and try new things except the things that really need to be changed or tried out well and, I and you have that, to wonder have to you have to that. wonder who's controlling it is it talent is it the ownership that's that's oh, the that's, ownership's gonna really stand for mark pesic i mean no they're not I, you but, know that's what i mean so like i don't you know what i don't know what's going I, on i think uh, but everybody everybody me. who works for the team even the people in the media everybody who works for the team i, I just they're they're just the same old same old and i want them to change i want better i'm tired of it or i'm yeah. just gonna Flyers, Colorado, they're auditioning right now. More entertaining product. I am a consumer. Make me Here's consume. What I will say. Here's what I will say about some of this thing. Some of it is because, I mean, they have no better options, and that's on the GM, and Dale Talon has to fix these problems. But, I, I mean, as I said, like, I'm not going to use the language you've said uh, for partial reasons. is because I'm dealing with two other teams right now that are infinitely worse than the Florida Panthers, and I... I mean, you don't have to deal with Nick Foles. Well, I can't. I can't be accounted accountable for you choosing to withstand that many bad oh. teams. Oh, I mean, no. I mean, some of them I chose a long time ago, and others I went to college at that. But see, I mean, like you are the master of your own destiny, um, and what I'm saying is, I don't. I I, I very much. I very much was growing up on the Flyers. And watch them, and I can always love and watch the Panthers and stuff. But I can always turn off the TV and watch other hockey teams. I do it all the time. You, yeah, I can stop buying. You know, you know, like I can stop caring. I can stop doing a podcast for you know, like this is. I'm very close to just losing interest in the Panthers. And if I'm doing that, one of the most, you know, fanboy, one of the biggest diehards, all that stuff, a person who cares more mm-hmm. about it than is healthy. What about the people who actually put the money into tickets and are the lifeblood of the franchise going to do? I mean, they deserve better. I've I've said that, and we've said that, and they need to realize that this is not and something that... Let's let's be honest. If they do not make the playoffs this year, it's over. Viola's going to have to sell the team. You're going to have to get a new owner in there. for You know, like, it's, like if they don't make the playoffs this year, what, what's the point? Barkov will already start talking to his agent about finding new teams. 
And on that happy note, I'm going to watch us all Jose up. Mourinho. Yeah. yeah. Good luck. Good luck uh, with that. Well, at least Jose Mourinho has won three games. That's nice. Yeah, and has won championships. He has won championships, yes. I don't know whether he's going to win that at Spurs, but he's won championships. Uh, and anyway, I don't know how bad it's going to be for the Panthers. I hope that they make some changes because it is, it's clear right now that what is going on at this moment cannot continue to happen. They have, yeah. to be, they have to make changes because right now they're in a playoff spot because everybody else has kind of screwed up around them. And you don't want to be saying, oh, we're in a spot because other teams are not playing well. You got to start winning some hockey games and yeah. making some decisions. And I hope they do. They've proven yeah. at least somewhat that they can. But they're, they're also – but they're, 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 they should be a lot better because they are a good team. They have a good offense. They have the ability play. to have goaltending. Yeah, they have good special teams, but they just – they it's need a better roster. One area, that one area. They, they probably need a better front office. They probably need a better prospect. I mean, like they just oh, yeah. they need I to mean, get every going. Area they can improve, because of course, because no one else is staying static. I mean, we see we're talking about the Flyers. You know, the Flyers are jumping ahead of them again, and they're they shouldn't. Yeah, I would agree with that. Oh, for Christ's sake! <laughs> see, I mean, this is what happens when I do this. This yeah. is what happens right. when I do this stuff in my life. I mean, I yep. am a glutton for punishment. As as a, and, uh... and that's why you know I'll be. I mean, what what's if if they lose Barkov, I'm just I'm leaving with them. You know, like if they if they can't keep Barkov and Huberto, the two best players that they had, because you know they had to, you know, have Keith Yandel stay on the team, or you know, Matt, Mike Matheson had to, you know stay with the team you know i'm gonna i'm gonna lose my shit and you know there's just be no redemption from that well i think everybody can be redeemed oh paulo gazaniga might be able to redeem what the hell no you can't you can't be redeemed from letting barkov go barkov go that's irredeemable if if barkov if 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 they if because of these stupid decisions you know years and years of stupid decisions you let barkov go it's there's no redemption there i think that would be a mass exodus and I hope it. I hope it would be because they would deserve it. Okay, and on, on that happy note, I'm going to actually watch Jose Mourinho's Spurs lose to a not good Manchester United team because you know that's again this is what I signed up for in my life, and I hate everything. Uh, anyway, do it to ourselves for sure. I oh yeah, we definitely do it. I'm certainly doing it to myself in all more ways than one. We will. Uh, we will. Uh, hopefully, that's we'll have definitely a, a great way to end. The oh, we'll have we'll have guests. We'll have more coming in the near future. I hope. But until then. Good night and good hockey, and Florida, please make sure you've been already. <laughs> <laughs>